Um, so yeah, I feel like my experience have kind of touched on all the different kind of journeys and facets. And um, I both had to be proactive and a little bit rogue on my own in some organizations that I worked at and others where it was, you know, the management that kind of led the way and kind of showed me the path and got me to the next level of my career. So Welcome to 33 Tangents, a roundtable discussion covering a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Your hosts, Jason Thompson, John Moran, Jen Coons, and myself, Jim Driscoll, all live in different areas of the world, but work together in the same company. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. though it's kind of like i'll I'll switch i'll switch now it's back to now now it's back to normal he i was like which reminds me of 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 uh jim's uh old phone where he used to have like this oh, moment jim's would... old phone was the best <laughs> he would yeah. sound like a little chipmunk well no i still have the same phone well, yeah. we should use it for our one-on-ones. Was the that was great. my favorite yeah. part about our one-on-ones. I was waiting for it each time. Jim so the I, was like absolutely the top. Robot Jim was a close second. I don't remember that. <laughs> so I, I think I know what it was. I think it was the carrier. So I, I still have the same phone, but I've moved over to T-Mobile. We just got a great deal on T-Mobile and we're saving like 50% on what we were paying AT&T. And I, I picked up when that would happen, when I would sound like a chipmunk, because on my end, things would slow down. So it would, you know, <laughs> slow down to talk like this. I would hear that. And then you guys, it, you know, I guess somehow with like, it would speed up on your end. So when I would start talking, I would be talking very high pitched yeah. and fast. I would just like giggle to myself when, that was awesome. when I would hear it because I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want you to fix it. So I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> but what I've Gosh. noticed since we moved since we've moved over to T-Mobile, I haven't heard any of the slowing down. So I assume that the speeding up on the other end has been fixed because there were a couple times I was on on the phone with mm-hmm. like a customer service rep or something else, and I could hear it slow down on my side, and then I could hear this kind of like a. <laughs> Can you say that again? On their, you know, back from the one, I'm like, oh yeah, they heard me talk real high again. Shout, shout out, shout out to T-Mobile for providing phenomenal uh, cell service. They're they're also an Adobe customer because that was the case study, wasn't it, Hila? That when you yep. were judging the uh, analytics challenge for That's the right. last round with the university students, and I got. I, I got roped into handing out raffle prizes and I ended up walking away with a T-Mobile hat, which I was wearing as I was trying to move the two feet of snow off my driveway this morning. So it's a sign. T-Mobile needs to be a 33-6 client. So uh, someone's going to have to make that happen. They should at least sponsor this podcast after all of this. So for sure. <laughs> all the shout outs. Seriously. Good yeah, yeah. All right. Well, what are we... Uh, Besides um, trying to plant a seed with T-Mobile and talking about when we <laughs> we uh, really enjoyed Jim the Chipmunk, what's uh, what's our actual topic today? Our actual topic today, um, I, I've titled it Coaching and Mentoring Your Team. So what I want to do is I want to continue part of the theme from last week's episode around giving tough love to your customers. Uh, which is, you know, having those honest, hard conversations in order to build uh, a, a strong relationship with them. You know, in that episode, and you know, you've also mentioned it to me just in various conversations we've had, you gave that quote from former UCLA men's basketball coach, John Wooden, which goes, you know, and I quote, one of the greatest motivating factors is the pat on the back. Although with some individuals, you have to make the pat a little lower or a little harder. Um so to get to it, you know, coaching and mentoring a team is not easy. Building one is, is not easy. It takes different approaches at different times for different people to, to, to motivate them to get the best out of them. 
So this week, let's discuss the the different approaches and different factors determining which you know which method to to use. Um, you know, what what are some of the mistakes that that each of us ha- have made as we've been in charge of a team through through, through various stages of our career? Um, and you know, I've got some other questions here. Um, such as, you know, why, why does coaching and mentoring come easy to some and not so much to others? And the one thing I've, I've noticed throughout my career, especially, you know, in, in the technical realm, realm of things, you know, being the best engineer uh, is usually what gets you promoted into management. But the skills that got you there won't mean success there. So since that's the case and it's become known that the best engineer doesn't necessarily make the best manager, why does that still happen? So just some questions to seed the discussion. Oh man, my my brain is going crazy. We 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 can take this in so many different places. So I'm I'm interested to see where this conversation will go. Um, but I I think a good starting place is that that quote from John Wooden. How many podcasts has that quote come up in? How many episodes? Because it's come up in a few. It's one of my favorite quotes. I've used it in the past in in trainings that I've done and in in sessions because it is. It is such a critically important message, and the the quote is simple, but but really highlights what makes a good manager, a good mentor, a good leader, um, is that they understand that we're all different, and that that really is the most important thing to to walk away with. As you know, whether you're 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 coaching an individual or building a large team, you have to understand that everybody's different, and I think it starts with yourself you know, understanding how you work and how you operate and then moving to understanding your team and knowing that everyone's different. Everyone has a different set of fears and things that motivate them. And there's lots of different ways you can you can go about that. I know in the past we've um, kind of done the Myers-Briggs thing. Uh, I want to say a couple of years ago, Hilan, I, at least I followed through with my and did the Strength Finder 2.0 assessment. Um, more recently, Hila and I did another um, in, um, assessment where we tried to understand the way that we think and, and operate with people because it's it's important. You know, Hila and I are probably exact opposites um, of everything that we do and how we operate. Uh, and so knowing that is is important because if I went into it thinking that she thought and operated the exact same way that I did, it, it would be an utter catastrophe you know, off the bat, I wouldn't be able to learn from her and she wouldn't be able to, to learn from me. And so I, I think, you know, we can dive into all of that different aspects of, of how you properly do that. But for me, that's the most critical thing up front is just accepting and understanding that everyone's different and then investing time in that order of priority first. How can I understand as much about myself and how I think and react to things and operate? And then how can I invest my my time to understand that in in my team members so I can, you know, either smack them on the backside or, or put an arm around their, their shoulder, depending on, you know, what they're going to best react to. Now, um, you know, as you've, you know, after you got started in your career and started to get into a management role, like, were there any kind of key moments, maybe key missteps? Because I mean, let's be honest, we all learn best from our mistakes. We don't learn from our successes. We learn from our mistakes. You know, are there key things that you look back and say, okay, that was a moment that I, I, I really learned something and, and it kind of, um, it helped build what your, your, your management philosophy is today? Hila, do you have thoughts? I mean, I well, I have I, I have a moment that potentially will, you know, re- remind you of a topic. I I remember that when when Jason and I were working uh, before at a previous agency, there was a, a moment that of realization where we were talking about our team. We were trying to build a, a new team. And uh, we were kind of talking about the concept of, uh, or the idea that um, not everyone's path up the ladder, so to speak, or their career path uh, is is in the same 
path. And what was meant by that is that not everyone, you know, is striving to be a manager and a director and a VP and so forth. Uh, some people are very interested to be subject matter expertise. They want to be very strong individual contributors. They want to go through a different kind of path in their career. Um, and so you can't just have one path that everyone on the team, you know, you know, especially in large teams, um, is, is going to look at and say, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I understand the next steps for kind of, you know, getting a promotion or, or working on my skill sets to elevate them. Uh, it has to be different because each one of us has uh, a, a, a different success path. And, and putting someone or, you know, identifying the wrong path for someone uh, could be setting them up for failure where they might have uh, a lot of strength in a different area completely. So um, it, it came up as, as we were discussing kind of uh, the dynamics within, within, within the group. And, and I thought that, that was like a moment for me where I was like, oh, wait, you know, it, it's a very straightforward and it kind of makes sense, you know, but for me, it was like, ha, huh, you know, how do we identify what everyone really will be good at or what everyone wants to do or what path they envision for themselves and how do we build a structure to help them in that path um, and it's a huge responsibility. It kind of makes you feel like, well, it's not so easy anymore. It's not like you can kind of say, okay, here's the hierarchy within our organization. And if you want to move up, here's the path. It's, it's, there's a lot of responsibility to now think, wait a minute, there's like 17 different paths and I'm responsible for identifying who fits where and, and how to make it the best and most successful for them, uh, while at the same time making it most productive and effective for the company. So that was a, a kind of a learning moment for me. And I, I, I'd be glad to hear your thoughts again, Jason, because it was kind of eye-opening for me uh, when you were kind of talking through it at that time. Yeah, and I think that that helps explain the importance of looking at things on an individual level. Uh, you know, if we try to genericize everything and think that everybody is the same personality type or has the same motives and, and ways of operating, we're, we're setting all of us up for, for failure. And it's difficult. It's, it's hard to invest that time and really understand people and what they need. But if you're, if you're really interested in, in building a, a high performing team and, and making as many people su as successful as you can, that, that is absolutely what it takes is investing that time on an individual basis uh, to, to truly understand where people want to go and build a path for each of them as, as individuals. You know, uh, unfortunately, I learned this the, the hard way in my first job out of college in that it was the exact opposite of that. We had a really well-defined career path. So if you were an engineer, which I was, you started off as software engineer one. And then you got promoted to software engineer two, and then you got promoted to software architect one, and then you got promoted to software architect two, and then you got promoted to team lead where now you were kind of leading a team, but you didn't have any HR responsibilities. And then you got promoted to team manager. And now I was responsible for HR responsibilities and reviews. And then you got promoted, you know, and it was on and on and on this like hierarchical thing until you got up to like vp senior vp and i'm like not everybody wants that that path um and what you ended up creating was a bunch of people in the middle of the road that were interested in climbing the corporate ladder but not really interested in what the underlying expertise was they were more interested in the the path and and getting the title than developing expertise so you ended up with a lot of mediocre performers uh, going down that path so in order to keep the best and the brightest you have to individualize that plan for for everyone and it's it is difficult it's difficult to understand so that that is an important aspect of it but it it goes so much more beyond that in that not only do you have to put together an individual plan for every employee every member of your team you have to invest the time in helping them get there what are the milestones for where we want to go you need to help them see progress um what what are the corresponding changes in in title in pay and responsibility 
But most important, how can you help break that mindset that if I don't go from engineer to team lead to manager, I'm a failure because that's the the path that we've been brainwashed to believe, you know, how can we build within our culture that you can be a strong individual contributor? You can be the top architect. You can be the top subject matter expert on, on X or Y. And it's the same level of uh, influence of, of importance within the company as someone that's a manager or a director or whatever that, that role is. I, I think that's that's critically important because all too often you you get people that end up in managerial roles that don't want to be there but are interested in progression and that's the only path that they have for them and it's it's sad to see because you see some really really talented people that have their talents misaligned become miserable burn out um, it's 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 sad to see that that happen over and over again. I, I had a, a, a similar experience with, you know, the, the, that first job out of college. Um, in fact, I had actually been working for them close to a year before I actually graduated. It was going into my senior year. I started working for them part time. And it was this small printing company that started to develop software. They created a software division to deal with uh, SEC financial reporting regulations and shareholder reporting. So to help streamline the the printing process. So I got in there in the very early days. And because just being a part-timer, I was able to just hack away and learn. So I, I l- learned several of the modules very, very quickly and became the, the expert. So I graduated college, I got hired on full-time, was working full-time for a while, but then as the the business started to grow, they needed to bring on more people. And because I had that that, that knowledge, I started to get promoted up into the the, the team lead kind of role. And it was very, very early in my career. And man, did I struggle. I I struggled really, really hard. And I mean, I, I look back today sometimes and cringe at some of the things that I did. And I'm like, okay, but you know, the reason I know that it's that total paradox of the reason why I know not to do that again is because I made that mistake and uh, yeah, learn from it. Yep. Yep. And you know, it's, it's, I think the norm in, in a lot of companies, we're seeing it change. And even in very, very large companies, we're, we're seeing it change. And as we've talked about on previous podcasts, this is something that, an individual can have a lot of influence over uh, unless you're in a company that is so authoritarian that they have everything completely detailed out and you simply have no creativity in your job as a manager um, to move outside of that. This is something that um, you as an individual contributor can have a lot of influence over. So even if this isn't something that is part of the the traditional flow within your company at large, um, if if you have people responsibility, this is absolutely something that you can start start doing today and and start managing your team. And I think it becomes infectious, and and that can be a good or a bad thing. You know, I think Hila and I have seen in the past that um, the way that we operated. Um, was infectious and it got noticed, but there was also some negativity to it in that other parts of the company didn't necessarily like that we were different than them and that our people seemed to be happier and have a, a career path and a goal. And there was there was some negativity to to deal with in that. So you have to kind of be prepared for 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 all things in in that aspect. But ultimately doing the right thing for your team will will pay off so you can kind of dodge those those slings and arrows as as they come uh, but again i think it's important to realize this is something you can do we often get so caught up especially working in big businesses that we can't be creative that we can't influence this this behemoth machine but you can and even starting small um can can have a tremendous impact uh, if you just start So to pivot the conversation a bit, you know, you know, so, so far we've established that, you know, in order to be an effective leader, you, you can't just have a one, one size fits all approach to everything. Um, let's get into the weeds a little bit. Like what are um, some of the times that you want to use a, a, a softer approach? You know, Jason, you pointed like the, uh, the arm around the shoulder kind of approach and then what are the uh, what are the times that you know maybe the the conversation needs to be a bit more honest, a bit more firm? 
I, I think it depends on the individual. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm a true believer in, in openness and transparency. And that's something that I've definitely learned the hard way. I, I think being confrontational and, and having difficult conversations is, is definitely not something that, um, comes natural to me. It's something I've really had to train myself to do. It feels safe and better to do that. But if you go back and look at history, rarely does that ever work out. You know, you're just delaying the inevitable and making it making it a more difficult conversation down down the road. And so um, for for me, you know, whether whether it's an arm around the shoulder or a swat on the back, um, the most important thing is that the message is clear and consistent. And then determining how that is delivered, again, really comes down to the individual that you're working with. What is what is that team member like? What what how do you know what things are they fearful of? What things are they nervous about? What what is you know if I if I go in really strong, are they going to be defensive? And now my 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 conversation is going to be completely worthless. So it's it's about spending that time understanding and and really brainstorming if it's a really critical conversation not something you just rush into but take the time to think through okay i need to go have this conversation with jim what do i know about jim and his personality and how best can i structure that conversation so we can come up with a a valuable conclusion to that that conversation so it's it's 100% individualized and that's not saying that that in that individual message that sometimes those aren't firm and strong conversations, right? So I want to make sure we we separate that out, that um, an arm around the shoulder doesn't necessarily mean that you're not delivering um, something critical. You know, Jim, you screwed up on this, and this is difficult for us to do, and here's what we need to do to address it. So the, the subject matter doesn't change, but the delivery mechanism is what changes and what you need to fine tune to each individual on your team. Jim, it was just an example. He didn't mean it. Oh, thank God. <laughs> no, it's quite, it's quite, it's quite um, the opposite with Jim. Early on, like Jim was like craving feedback and he was doing a phenomenal job. And there were, there were things that we were working on with Jim to mentor him along. I know one of the things he was interested in doing very early on uh, at 33.6 was adding more um, technical knowledge and becoming stronger in that standpoint. But like he would come to me and say, tell me what I'm doing wrong. I, I'm doing something wrong. Tell me I need it. I need it. I'm like, dude, like we're, we're, we're going down this path. Right. But I, I think part of that is just Jim's personality, but also part of it is that in most organizations that's not how it works. So Jim's experience in the past was probably, you know, my manager came and told me, Jim, you screwed this up. What the hell's wrong with you? You know? And so by hearing it in a different way that was more attuned to how Jim operates, it was, it was kind of weird for him in the beginning. And he's like, wait a minute, you got to be telling me I'm doing stuff wrong here. Cause I'm not perfect all the time. And I was, and we were, it's just, we were doing it in a different way than I think he was used to. Sorry, Jim. I don't mean to put you on the psychiatrist couch here for this episode. It's a it's a good visual. It it, it is, and yeah, it, it was weird because you know, like I try to be as low maintenance a, a, as possible, but there is that part of me that no news is good news does not go over well because it's like they've got to be talking about something. You know, something has to have been said. You know, so, so your mind starts to go. And uh, so, yeah, early on, I think part of it, too, is just, you know, building building that level of rapport and truly understanding, like, if there was a problem, you would have heard about it by now. Um, so and, and to, to Jason, to really turn the screws right now, let's throw in the aspect of remote and a remote and distributed team. Because for a lot of people, like when you come into the office, there's just nonverbal cues. Just in conversation, there's the the, the nonverbal cues. So over over time, you know, the, the both of you, as you've built various teams where you know teams are spread out, uh, not everyone is in the office. How has that aspect um, either made these these situations harder or or made them better? I, for me, I think it's it's a hundred times easier being remote, and it's it's something that is the opposite of what everyone thinks. That communication um, and and knowing what people are doing, what people need, is impossible to do remote. You have to be in person to do that. And and actually, I find it 
not true. I find it so much easier to do remotely because being a hundred percent distributed, it forces you to th- to think. It forces you to listen more intently. It forces you to have more empathy, and it forces you to be more sensitive to what everyone on your team is is doing. You take for granted when you're all sitting together that, oh, we're all here and I'm just gonna magically by osmosis kind of understand what's happening. And it's not true. We have to be more deliberate and attentive to what's happening and being distributed forces you into that mindset. So for me, understanding what makes Jim tick, what makes Hila nervous and what makes her more motivated it's much easier for me to be attuned to that distributed than in, in person because it forces you to listen. It's, it's almost like, um, you know, let's take a scenario where you're, you're watching a movie and either the volume's really low or the, the actors are whispering. It forces you to kind of block everything else out and really, really focus on what they're saying because you want to hear it. It's like that. You know, it's the, the sounds are muffled. There's this distance between you. So you really have to block everything out and listen and understand what, what is happening. And, and for me, it's made it so much easier to be empathetic and understand what's important to each of our team members and, and just really feel, you know, how we, we need to interact with them. And, and it's, it's, a, it's, again, it's kind of the opposite of, of what you hear and what you would expect that it should be harder being in a distributed model. Um, but I found, at least for me, that it's, it's absolutely made it much, much easier to have those direct conversations that are 100% customized to the person because I, I have a much better sense of who that person is. Hila, do you have any thoughts on the, the remote versus, you know, in, in office aspects of, uh, of, of managing a team? Um, I mean, it, it does definitely, uh, make it, uh, make it easier because it makes the conversations, uh, less formal and it gives you more time to kind of think and uh, prepare. For me, um, just overall, I like to kind of prepare my thoughts and think through, you know, kind of the best approach. So for me, it it works really well uh, in that sense. What about what about you, Jim, from an employee perspective, having worked both distributed uh, and and in an office? How how do you feel it's changed both how you operate from a communication standpoint um, up within your team um, and how it's made you either more or less in tune from a personality perspective with your your management teams? I think we, we, we touched on it um, a moment ago and. And we, we, this applies to so many things we've talked about in the past, but the, the key thing early on is building that level of rapport with, with, with your management team, um, understanding who they are. Cause sometimes, you know, it, it's easy to take things personally. Um, so understanding like when it's directed at you or maybe not, um, there's, there, there's that aspect, but I think it's also, while they're setting their expectations, I think you also need to set your own expectations on, you know, this is how I want to make sure I get feedback. Um, since we, I, when you're in an office, I think there's things that you, I don't want to say rely on, maybe become dependent upon is the way to to think about it, where you're sitting with the same people every day, you see them every day. Um and sometimes it just becomes easier to get feedback or you take some of those things for granted. Um, whereas when you're remote, focus on the rapport and then setting the expectations. Like, I, I want to make sure I get this kind of, of feedback. And it's not necessarily being needy or being high maintenance. It's, it's setting that expectation so that if things start to go sideways, we're both in this so we know how to correct it early on. So it it goes from maybe being a, a nuisance or a minor problem. It's stopped there. Uh, it's rectified uh, before it becomes a major, major issue. So one of the things that I want to circle back to was this idea, Jim, you brought up of um, if you have someone that's really good at what 
they do that the the natural thing to do is promote them to be to being a manager. So I want to talk about a couple of missteps that we see companies making on that um, with that assumption. Number one, I think we we've kind of talked about it is that that's not everybody's career path. Um, and and it's unfortunate that we've seen so many talented contributors and creators lose that ability um, because they've been moved into a, a different role. So so that's number one. Number two, if you're going to promote people um, because they're doing a phenomenal job as an individual contributor, don't change the way that they are. Um, and by that I mean I've seen so many people promoted, and and they were promoted because they were different. Maybe they kind of bucked the status quo. They challenged the way things were done and it was a breath of fresh air and they get promoted into management. And then what we tell them is, okay, now you have to change. You have to be more like the, the corporate manager we expect you to do. So, you know, that's another thing to be aware of, but I think the biggest mistake that specifically talking about mentoring that we see, and, and this is really true of, of everything. It's not necessarily making that jump from individual contributor to, to, to manager, but making a progression in your career in general is that we think that we're, we're promoting someone. So therefore they have all the answers and they don't need any additional training or help. And, and that couldn't be further from, from the truth. And it's especially true if you're making a huge move from an individual contributor to a manager We've seen so many of those transitions fail that could be successful if only they were invested in. So not only do you need someone that is helping mentor you into that position and someone that helped teach you and guide you, uh, but companies really need to be investing in in training and education. So what what do you need? What skills do you need to have to to be successful in this new role? And let's invest in it. Um, again, all too often we think that we're promoting someone into a new role that they have all the answers, and it's just not the case. We need to be investing in in not only the direct mentoring, but in providing structured training so that people can continue to add the skills that they need to be successful as they as they grow in their careers. Yep, yeah, uh, totally agree. And I'm I'm glad you brought this up because I wanted to make sure we circle back um, to this as well. And there's another problem that I, I, I see with that, that practice of taking the best engineer, taking the best widget creator, the best designer, and moving them into, into management. Because a lot of times the, the move to management, um, you, you mentioned earlier, is that I just want a better title. I, I want a better salary that, that reflects my contributions. But also the reasoning sometimes is, is you know this the best. So we want to put you in a position of leadership so that you can um, uh, help bring everybody up to that that level. And that, that's one aspect of the job. And, you know, sometimes the person may be interested in that, but sometimes not. But then you take a person who most times enjoys what they do. And, okay, that's great. I'll, I'll, I'll share knowledge. I will help coach people up to up to my level. But then when you put them in management, you put a lot of admin type of work on them. And that's the kind of work these people don't want to do. They're they're totally down with the mentoring aspect of it, but the HR paperwork, all of the processes, all of that. And that I've seen deflate people who um, would have been just great, like say team Mm -hmm. leads or some position like that where they, they're helping bring other people up to their level. They want to share the information. They, you know, they're, they're not that kind of person that wants to keep the information themselves. They want to share it, but then you're putting all of this other kind of management, um, lack of a better term, nonsense on, on them, and that's just It's deflated. operational, right? Um, and some, yes. some people- And they're interested in it. Yeah, and some people love it and some people hate it. And I think that that's another good use case for why openness and transparency is so critically important. You know, know what you're getting into, research it, ask questions, understand. I, I remember when when we were first talking before you joined 33.6, I said, look, this is going to be different from a corporate job. I have a lot of expectations and it's going to be, we're going to change quickly and we're going to, you know, maybe be going north one minute and then the very next minute we're going to like 
grip their wheel and jerk it to the right and go east. Like, um, you know, we have to be prepared for that. Are you okay? Like, these are the expectations. This is what it's going to be like. And, and, and again, I think so many people are, um, just conditioned to go through this known hierarchy of how we advance in a career that they don't even stop to think. And, and before they know it, it's too late. And I'm in a management position. I'm like, why the hell did I want to be a manager? This sucks. Like, I don't want to give reviews and I don't want to have to approve expense reports. And, you know, I didn't understand what I was getting into. All I saw was what I wanted to see and not the whole picture of, of, of what it takes to, to actually be successful in that role. So, you know, having, having that open and honest discussion about what does this look like? You know, let's sit down and build a career path. And what does it mean? You know, what does it mean to be, you know, an architect? What does it mean to be a team lead? Like, help me understand what all of those, those pieces are. And having a strong manager and mentor that can help drive that is, is so so super important. So I want to I want to pull Hila back in and see if maybe um, you can help us understand a, a bit of your backstory because I wonder how I, I don't want it to I I don't want to believe it's hit and miss, but I I think it might be. Meaning I might just get lucky and get in an organization that has like a really strong manager that I just happen to get to. But but we see it all the time. You know, we see it in sports teams. How many how many athletes do you see coming out of college that just ended up on the wrong team or with the wrong coach and they never fully realized their potential. You you have to believe that's happening in the corporate world as well, that, you know, you get these super smart, super talented people and they just end up on the wrong team. You know, was it just luck? And were there things that we could do to, to change that percentage of being successful? So, Hila, I want to ask you kind of based on your experience, how important was it to either by you proactively seeking out the right situation or just luck getting on the the team that helped you advance in your career. So I know, you know, you've had managers in larger organizations like MySpace back in the day. I know you bring up, I think, um, I want to say his name is Skip at, was it Credit Report, um, who you talked about a lot. How important was it that you had the right management and mentor for, for you? And was it was it just luck of the draw? Or was that something you knew was critical? So as part of figuring out what your next journey was that finding the right mentor for you was part of that discussion. Um, so yeah, I feel like my experience have kind of touched on all the different kind of journeys and facets. And um, I both had to be proactive and a little bit rogue on my own in some organizations that I worked at and others where it was you know, the management that kind of led the way and kind of showed me the path and got me to the next level of my career. So, um, so it, 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 it does depend on kind of the manager and who they are and how, how, um, you know, what, where their managerial skill set is to really identify what the person is good at or passionate about and how to steer that correctly. Um, so, you know, you mentioned credit report and that's really the first experience where my manager there, um, you know, really, you know, knew what was good for me, um, and helped me kind of like, uh, focus on the things that I was going to be successful at, uh, even to the point to suggest that I go somewhere else. So not because he was fed up with me or that it didn't work out well, but he thought that for my career, it, you know, it was the best next step and it was time. You know, I, I clearly remember when he said, it's, it's time for you to, to do the next thing. Um, and that was kind of very eye-opening for me at that time to think like, wow, I'm, I'm in control of this. I, I don't have to kind of look at this organization that I'm in and say, oh, what's the next level up? You know, do I wait for my manager to quit because it's a small organization and then uh, hopefully I can get into their position or, you know, what, what else can I do within this organization? I think that it was more about looking at my own passion and my own career and saying, wait, where am I going next? And, and it doesn't have to be here. It doesn't have to be any defined path. I can define a new one. Um, and then the next place I worked uh, at, um, it was kind of a, a larger, more formal corporation, very much probably in retrospect, like a bad fit for me. Um, but it was good, such a good 
uh, experience for me because I I did get to be a little or a lot rogue over there and just kind of do my own thing. Um, I started by accepting a position as a project manager, which I really wasn't good at. Um, I really wanted to kind of uh, be innovative and, you know, steer the, the product itself. And being a project manager just meant that I needed to listen to the pro- product managers and just go do what they told me to do. And um, it was a very frustrating situation. Um, so within that organization, I kind of said, okay, well, what other departments are there? What other things can I do here? And I ended up moving probably two or three times uh, to different types of groups and to different kinds of um, business units. Um, So it wasn't linear at all for me. It was an evolution. And I think that 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 is kind of the point that uh, resonated with me later on when, when you, when, when Jason and I were building a team, uh, at an agency, not, not at 33 sticks, but before 33 sticks is that the path up, so to speak for a person in their career or the evolution of their career, uh, doesn't have to be within a specific path that was already designed. Um, and so that was kind of like the, 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 the part for me. And, and, and back to the, the, to the, to your question, you know, I think at that organization where I was kind of moving around and, and doing different things and trying different things, I think that was, um, purely in my hands, you know, in fact, it wasn't a good, situation for everyone else. Everyone else kind of looked at me like, why? Why are you like, you know, um, trying to help or intervene with other departments? So it was, it was new for them, you know, meaning managers in, in different, uh, in different roles in that organization. Um, it, was, it was not part of their plan. It was not part of their rigid plan of how people should move through the organization, get promoted and, and so forth. Um, so it was foreign to them and it, it didn't work very well, but it was, it was right for me because I needed to m- move up, so to speak, um, and, and, and advance my skill set and my, my career and what I wanted to do. And, and so I think, you know, in both these examples, um, you know, it, it it's fair to say that, <clears throat> you know, and, and, and so <laughs> let me slow down, um, in the scenario where I kind of had to do things on my own, um, at the end, it didn't work out because the organization was just too different and too structured to allow for me to define my own path. So it didn't work. Um, and I had to kind of move on to a place that allowed me to explore and kind of had more wiggle room to define my path. And I think that that's kind of the, the point to, your, to answer your question is that without a good manager that knows how to um, uh, identify and, and steer that in the right direction, it's just not going to end up good for, for the company that you're, you're working for or for what you're trying to, to build or whatever it may be. Um, you know, I think that, uh, it, it does require very kind of, um, um, open-minded and responsible manager. You know, I often think, uh, Jason and Jim, when you guys were talking earlier about, you know, um, employees wanting to be mentored or whatnot, you know, it's a lot, it's a responsibility. You have to go back and say, you know, am I, am I, you know, giving enough thought? Am I putting enough structure for this person to be successful? Uh, you can't just like, you know, give them stuff to do and, and hope that it works out. Like if the structure is not there, um, it's just not going to work. So I think I draw from my own experience of having to kind of be on my own in some scenarios <clears throat> to kind of say, you know, you got to put in the work as a manager to, to, to figure out uh, what paths to define. And each person is different. Each person is different. So same, same question to you, Jim. Um, was it luck? Would you proactively seek out the right um, situations in the past? Or, or a combination of both. Um, and then I have kind of one other follow-up piece I want to make sure we touch on. 
Well, I, I think for, for, for me and developing into the, the style I have today, a lot of it in the beginning was trial and error. Because like you, you had mentioned it before, when you know someone's promoted, the organization just has an assumption that they have all the tools in their toolkit. Because they're a good person at designing this widget or making this widget, they, they know what to do once they get into management. People flounder. I had the same thing. Well, they promoted me. I must have these skills. And so a lot of it was just trial and error and learning, learning from mistakes. But those mistakes help refine me, you know, refine my approach to things to where it's now proactively seeking things out, uh, proactively seeking out mentors, proactively seeking out advice or or feedback on certain situations and and, and whatnot. Um, so it's something that um, has has just come with time. Understood. Uh, well, I, I think this is an extremely valuable conversation because it it's it impacts all of us, um, and it and it doesn't really matter the role we're playing. It's it, it impacts all of us that 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 we need to understand how this works and how we can make the most out of it. Whether we're a people manager and we're responsible for coaching and mentoring a team, whether I'm a team member and I have a goal of of going somewhere in my career whether I'm a mentor within an organization or outside of an organization, um, th- there are, there are a couple of key pieces at, that, that let's kind of re re um, not rehash, but just recap on. So, so number one, um, if, if I kind of give my top takeaways from, from this conversation is um, start with understanding yourself, then understand your, your team or the people you're, you're coaching. And, and there's lots of different techniques for that. Um, for, for us, I think we've had a lot of luck in the past with just understanding human psychology. And I don't, I don't think it's as important the tool you use as just kind of starting somewhere. And so, again, in the past, we've done things like the Myers-Briggs or the Strength Finder. There's, there's lots of different ways to, to do that. But just start somewhere and start having an open conversation and sharing it. Uh, it's been fascinating in the past to kind of see those results and see what personality type everyone is. And not only that, you can then take it to other levels and say, well, how does my personality type mesh with this personality type? Again, um, you know, uh, Hila and I probably shouldn't mesh together because our personality types are, are, are really contrasting styles um, that kind of butt heads a lot. But, you know, I think the fact that it does work is because we've put in the time to understand that we are different and understand that not only how the, the the other person thinks and operates, but how when you put the two of us together, what that creates and how that works. So that really, for me, is the most in, important takeaway is, is start with that understanding. And then from there, take that and have that inform your your processes and your communication styles and and how you're going to, to make that different for, for every individual that you interact with. And, and third, just take responsibility and start. Whether you're a, a people manager in a large corporation, whether you're you're building a new company, you you have the the opportunity to have tremendous impact by just starting and and thinking through that and investing time in understanding yourself first and your team next, how everyone operates. Um, and 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 if you're a team member, um, you can be proactive as, as well. If your manager isn't doing this, then start floating it up. Start, you know, saying, hey, this would be important. And if nothing else, sit down and start putting together a plan. So one of the things that Hila and I have been doing for the past, what has it been, six months or so, is um, we've been investing time in going through this process called GIST, which stands for Get Your Shit Together. And we've been using it as kind of our goal planning and where we want to go. And it's 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 a matter of sitting down and and laying out that that plan and 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 using that to drive things forward. So if I'm a team member and my my boss doesn't have an individualized plan for me, if my if my plan is to go from application engineer one to application engineer two, and that doesn't really fit me, then then be proactive. Put together a plan and say, okay. You know, hey, hey, boss, this is this is the job I have now. This is where I want to go. These are some skills that I need to have. You know, this reminds me a lot of our conversation, Jim, right? Like you came to me and said, okay, here's where I'm at. Here's where I want to be. I, I don't want to be a people manager. I want to do this. These are the skills that I think I need. These are skills I have. Where are my gaps? And can you help me put together a plan to get there? I didn't come to you for that. If you remember, you were the one that came to me with that. And I, and, and I think that that's great advice for 
for any employer team member that if you don't have a personalized plan, there's nothing stopping you from putting that template together and saying, here's my plan. Here's my get. Sh- here's how I'm going to, you know, get where I want to be. Here's how I'm going to get my shit together and, and, and get to where I want to be. Hopefully you have a boss that is su- supportive of that. And so, uh, again, I think this is a great conversation because it impacts all of us, um, regardless of where we are. And what's what I think is so great about it is it's it's not a theoretical conversation. It's not just we're talking about philosophical ideas. These are things that you can do. Um, and and again, unless you're in some very authoritarian organization today, as a manager, as a team member, you can start to make changes towards making the way that you work within that organization, the way you interact with your boss, your mentor, um, you you can start making changes today so that that coaching mentoring relationship is so much more valuable for you, for your boss, for your mentor, for your organization. Yeah, that, that, that's some really, really great advice. And this has been a, a fun conversation. Um, because I think it, um, no matter the industry, this is something people, people struggle with all the time. So I think, you know, I think we've kind of gotten to the point where we, we fit, we fit all the main, we fit all the main points. I, I think it's a, it's a good place to, to wrap up. I appreciate Jim, you being a good sport. I didn't, I didn't think going into it, we would use so much of your experience, but it aligns so perfectly well and made it real. Like we're not just talking about, again, we're not just talking about these things may or may not work. This is how we're doing things at 33 sticks. You know, this is, these are actual real mm-hmm. world examples of things that are, are working. And, um, Hila, thank you for, you know, offering your, um, stories, not only as you and I have built out an organization, but, um, experience that you've gained in the past that helped inform how we built things. I, I think it's important for people to understand that journey and, and know that you just don't show up with all the answers that it comes from a lot of, of personal experience and you kind of take things and, and, and learn as you go and become better. So I think this is a great conversation. Hopefully our, our listeners have, have found it uh, entertaining. Um, but again, most importantly, I think this is one of those things that you can go right after listening to this and start making some changes in, in how you, you work. Mm-hmm. And I, I think also it, it's practicing what we preach in the form of being honest and open with, with how we do things. So did not mind being the guinea pig today. <laughs> cool. Well, good, good conversation. Enjoyed it. Yep. Thank you both. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up for now and talk to everybody later. See you guys. Thank you guys. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at www.33sticks.com. The 33 Tangents podcast is a production of 33 Sticks.